Today, we're talking about what happened in the first quarter of 2022 to see how the economy and the market and the news of the pandemic and inflation and everything else is affecting the world of sales of small, privately controlled businesses. Stay tuned. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, uh, Dave Barnett here, good to see you all. Um, just in the last few days, I got a copy of the Q1 IBBA Market Pulse Report. I'm going to share it with you here on my screen. Um, this report is the publication from the International Business Brokers Association, and um, they do a survey of brokers in the marketplace uh, who have done deals over the course of the of the period, and they ask for their opinions on a lot of things, and they collect some data. Like, and we're going to talk about some of the data here today. But I think it's interesting because it's going to give us an insight into the reality of what it, what happened back from the first of the year until the end of March, um, and with what we know today, with other data that's come out, we're going to be able to to line up some of the story that's being told here. So I'm going to share my screen, and I'm going to zoom in a little bit here and uh, zoom in on the on the document because there's a few things I've highlighted as I went through here. Uh, first of all, of course, here are the, the people um, who are over at the IBBA and the M&A source, which is the Mid-Market uh, Trade Association. And so shout out to those people for putting this information together and then making it available for people to take a look at. Um, and if, if you are a business broker or if you're interested in business brokerage or learning how to be an M&A transaction advisor, uh, these two organizations uh, are just fantastic. They've got training and certification programs and uh, the ability to create collaboration and to have colleagues and people to meet in the industry um, is really facilitated with organizations like this. I was a member of the IBBA back uh, for several years. Uh, and I earned their certification in 2010. Um, and um, I have nothing but good things to say about these guys. So what are they talking about? Well, they divide up the main street, first of all, into three different categories. And these are transaction sizes. So the under 500,000 K and then 500 to a million, 1 million to 2 million. And then they call lower middle market transactions two to five or then five to 50. So you can see like a pretty broad range of transactions. We're mostly going to be talking about the Main Street information here today. And this survey was done between April 1st and 15th. So a month after the first quarter ended, which would have been, uh, sorry, uh, it was literally in the two weeks after the end of the first quarter, because the first quarter ends March 31st. So they surveyed 360 business brokers and respondents completed 317 transactions in that quarter, okay? So in the world of business brokers and in the world of transactions, we're, we're talking about a very small segment of what I would say would be your very qualified business brokers who uh, are the ones who actually demonstrate their willingness to invest money in their own training and development. And so 
so what we're going to see today is a is a view of that particular segment and it's not necessarily reflective of the market as a whole because as i talk about a lot on this channel there are all kinds of less than qualified business brokers who are kind of fumbling around not really doing much or, or not doing things in the same degree of professionalism perhaps um, and then there are other perfectly qualified business brokers who are well-established, et cetera, who just don't happen to be members of the IBBA, um, whose data is not reflected in this either. But I think that we're going to pick out some interesting insights here. So advisors, so they, there's a market headwinds section here where they asked people, what do you think are the problems that are coming up for the people that are selling businesses and the problems that the buyers are talking about? And 68% say that labor shortages have had a dampening effect on the Main Street sec, uh, segment. Um, and of those, 5% say it's actually caused deal terminations. So that's interesting because if we're talking about 317 transactions, that could potentially mean that we're talking about like 12 or 15 deals in this sample um, that could have happened, but didn't because buyers realized, Hey, if I buy this business, maybe there's a lot of particularly lower wage employees, for example, uh, I'm not going to be able to fill those spots. Or even if it's highly technical roles where there's a lot of tightness in the labor market of not being able to find properly skilled employees. And then it goes on to show a graph here of all the different, um, headwind issues, so labor shortage was a big one. Supply chain was the number two at 58%. Interest rates, um, this is interesting. And I'm wondering if it has to do with uh, businesses being priced so close to perfection that an increase in interest being paid by a buyer would actually cause the deal not to cash flow. Um, so interest rates is obviously one that affects buyers. Inflation. Um, this is going to have an impact if your business may not be able to pass through price increases very easily. And a lot of people have this idea that if the price of everything goes up, then you can just raise your prices. Not necessarily. It depends on the industry that you're in. Because if my costs are a relatively low percentage of my sale price, so if I have a high gross margin, for example, in a business, I could have the, my costs going up and I might be able to hold my line on pricing and my margin gets squeezed a little bit, but I've got room to maneuver. Whereas a business that has a high degree of cost of goods sold, high direct costs, if my costs go up, I have to increase my prices. Now, will the consumer, whoever it is, business or, or individual consumer, will they accept the price increase? And that is a question unrelated to your costs. Because in any marketplace, the clearing price of any product or service has to do with supply and demand, not necessarily the cost of inputs. So for example, if the cost of you know cows goes up, does that mean I can sell steak for more? Well, if the price of all the food is going up, some people are going to opt to change steak for hamburger or hot dogs, right? So the steak producer may have the price pressures but when they try to increase the price too much, the demand is not there. And so that's an example of someone who might get stuck in a place where their costs are going up and they have an inability to raise prices. And so this could be one of the reasons why we're seeing inflation come up here as a reason for deals 
for headwind against deals. And then global conflict is interesting um, because this is uh, largely American transactions that we're talking about here. Um, and so are there direct links between the conflict happening uh, right now in Europe versus what's happening in the world of small business in the US? I don't know. Like, uh, I, I haven't seen an example of that personally. A lot of people are concerned, obviously. Um, and so uh, I, I don't know about that one. But here's an interesting question where they ask these brokers if they believe that a recession is at least somewhat likely in the next 12 months. And we've got 51% saying somewhat likely, 18% very likely, 7% uh, are saying extremely likely, and 12% saying somewhat likely. So 76% believe that there's some chance that there's going to be a recession. Now, I did a little bit of poking around here before, and what I found is this, um, and I'm sure you've seen this in the news, this is a CNBC headline saying that the US GDP fell at 1.4% for the first quarter. And I'll remind everyone, here's a definition over from Google, a recession is simply a period of two successive quarters having economic decline. So 50% of the definition of a recession has been met. And I'm recording this just in the beginning of June, 2022. So now Q2 has finished. And we just have to wait for the data to come out to find out if we are in fact technically in a recession or not. And so I think that the writing was on the wall though. I mean, all of these different impacts, the worries that people are having, the, when, whenever you have a change in data, it's eventually gonna change sentiment. And that's what these brokers are picking up on because they're talking with the buyers and sellers and sentiment is expressed through people's talking, discussion, saying they're worried about certain things, et cetera. And, and that rubs off on the brokers who then respond to this survey. Um, as we go through here, this was an interesting tidbit that I saw. Advisors reported that 45% of their engagements terminated without closing in Q1. And, um, Meanwhile, advisors are also reporting a strong uptick in the number of new clients coming to market in Q1 2022. More than 50% of Main Street advisors said the numbers of clients greatly increased over, while over 60% of lower middle market advisors said the same. So why is this important? Well, for the last year, we've been hearing about how multipliers have been going up. We've been hearing about how people are, are seemingly willing to pay higher prices for these small businesses. And just like what's been happening in the housing market since the lockdowns in 2020, um, the, the number of houses for sale went down because people didn't want strangers in their homes, you know, afraid of contagion and whatnot. Um, and so that constrained supply. When it came to the world of business, those lockdowns affected um, the performance of businesses, right? Just imagine if you have a business, you're told by the government you have to close, it's going to have an impact on your bottom line. And if you go back to 2020 and watch some of my videos that I made during that time. One of the things that I said was that a business affected by the lockdowns, their performance will go down. It'll be hard for them to sell. The most logical thing for a lot of those people to do would be to withdraw from the market and try to repair the business. And now we've got, in a lot of cases, we've got 2020 finished. Now we have the 2021 financial statements coming out in the first part of 2022. And so if you imagine a business badly affected in 2020, 2021, they rebounded. 
Now they've got the paperwork to demonstrate that they rebounded. They're hearing that businesses are selling for higher and higher prices. And now they're increasingly going into the market, talking with brokers about selling. And so now the supply is increasing. This is, this is what the brokers are telling us through this kind of, this kind of report. Um, and, and so maybe that's going to be affecting uh, what the market looks like and the prices that people are going to be paying here in the, in the future. And there's a comment here. It's also possible that advisors are being more selective in onboarding new clients. Due to increased demand from sellers, advisors may be declining distressed deals or pushing back on unrealistic price expectations. So, you know, brokers may already be seeing that these strong prices or eager buyers who are willing to overpay to outcompete other buyers is starting to wane. The business values, though, is going to tell us what's actually happening. So on average, business valuations have held relatively steady in the Main Street market with multiples of 2 to 2.8 times SDE. Um, and then in the lower to mid market, businesses become more attractive to financial and strategic buyers. So remember, I've made videos about this before where I described the pig peg line. Um, and we'll put a link here in the video to one of those. But once you get above a certain amount of EBITDA and in largely about half a million, depends on industry, but half a million dollars of EBITDA, then you can, the business can be bought by someone who is strictly a financial sort of operator. So a private equity firm, venture capital firm kind of thing. And there's enough cash there to pay a professional manager to come and run the business. Below that, it's hard to pull off. And so a lot of the times your sellers are owner operators and the buyers as well are going to be owner operators. So that's going to be confirmed here later in the report. But if we look here, the bottom part, these dark blue boxes, I'll make this even bigger. How about that? Okay. These dark blue boxes represent the under 500,000 sale price. And you can see back in 2017, the average was 2.3. And then it pretty much went down to the two times multiple in the slightly bigger businesses, it went down in 2019 and 2020, and now it's up to 2.8. And then the real difference, the real compression was in this yellow band, which is the businesses in the two to five million, where they got as low as 3.3 times EBITDA in 2020. So, so there, you know, when people were asking during the pandemic, hey, is this going to cause businesses to go for sale for lower prices? It looks like it did, but not Main Street. It was in this category of lower middle market. Um, and then they've since rebounded back up. But look at this one up here, the bigger ones, five to 50 million. They're up in the six times EBITDA category. And so that's pretty strong pricing. And they were down as low as 4.3 back in Q1 2020. Um, average selling price, average selling price as a percentage of asking price. And so if you look at the small businesses, you know, it's all 90 or whatever, but look at that in the Q1. So, okay, they flipped the axes on us here. So the blue is Q1 2020 or 2019. And then we have 2020, 2021 and 2022. So in the smallest businesses, it's all in the same band. 85, 85, 86, 87, slight increase in the selling price as a percentage of asking price. Um, 
And then in the second category, 500,000 to 1 million, 91 crept up to 94. And so there has been a little bit of this eagerness, or maybe it's, um, we don't know if the businesses are being priced more aggressively, but people are ending up ultimately paying a price closer to the asking price versus um, what they were paying back in 2019. So is this a seller's market, right? And so a seller's market occurs when demand exceeds supply. There's not enough good businesses to go around. And so what they ask here is what is the confidence level on the part of the seller as far as doing a deal? And you can see here that obviously in Q1 2020, the confidence levels all plummeted very low. And the smallest businesses under 500K, they went down as low as 28%. They've now almost doubled to 48% as of uh, this quarter. And I can tell you that relates directly to the having the 2021 financial statements done, tax returns filed, able to present to buyers, uh, showing that the business has in fact recovered from what was happening in 2020. Time to close. And I highlighted the word average here. And the reason why is because it's important to realize that for every business that closes quickly, there's another one that closes over a longer period of time. Um, in our different quarters here, and again, we're gonna look at the bottom two categories. What you're gonna see is that in, um, so this was, from engagement. So this is the moment that the seller signed up with the broker until the business was sold. And you can see here for the small businesses, seven months, eight months, six months, and then Q1 2021, it went up to nine months, right? And that makes sense because in Q1 2021, we had businesses that were claiming to have recovered, but they didn't have a full year of recovery under their belt. So for buyers to take a longer amount of time examining and doing due diligence to make sure that they were happy with the status of the business would, would make a lot of sense. And then that in Q1 2022 has since fallen back down to the normal length of time that we saw back uh, prior. Um, average months to close from letter of intent or purchase agreement. Um, in the small category, it really doesn't change about two months. Um, and then in the second most category, 500,000 to 1 million, it stays around three months. So this is interesting here. Now, this is the amount of seller financing being done in deals. And so Q1 2021, you can see cash at close average. So this is the money, the equity from the buyer, as well as any bank financing they took to buy the business. Um, in the small businesses, it was 84% and seller financing would be about 13% with about 2% labeled as earnout, meaning payments related to future performance. And again, these are averages. So if on average there's 13% seller financing, it means some people are doing less, some people are doing more. And you'll see that in Q1 2022, that grew to 17%. Now, I know that the viewers out there, this is a global audience. Um, I want to point out that this data is heavily influenced by American data, which of course, um, in the United States, you've got the SBA 7A financing available. So what um, 
it still shows that the amount of seller financing has increased. And I can tell you that the deals that I've looked at or worked on with people where there was no SBA loan involved, um, we're seeing the kind of seller financing that's pretty much normal for other markets around the world with sellers taking back like 30% or more uh, on these deals, um, depending on what's in the business as far as collateral. And this is the, I think the real meat of this for anyone out there who owns a business, who's thinking about selling. Um, and I've talked with, uh, I did an interview once with uh, Mike Finger talking about, um, and it's on this YouTube channel, talking about, you know, selling your business to private equity. It was one of the live streams. And because a lot of the times you go out there for looking for information about selling your business and who's going to buy your business. And this report reiterates the kind of stuff that we talk about all the time here on this channel is that if you are in this um, under $500,000 priced category, then the buyers are serial entrepreneurs or first-time buyers. These are individuals who are buying these businesses. Uh, a lot of them will be direct operators. Um, motivated to buy a job, a third of them. Uh, what does that mean? It means they want to leave their employment or they're unemployed and they want to buy a job. Um, to add a horizontal add-on is, is another third. So these are people who are already in business, acquiring a business that can help them grow. 73% um, are located within 20 miles, 16% within 100 miles. So if you've got a business that's a small business like this, your buyer is basically an individual or another business somewhere close to you. And in the second category, half a million to 1 million in purchase price, it's 41% first-time buyers, 32% serial entrepreneurs, 24% indicated here as other existing companies. So these would be uh, people looking to grow through acquisition. And still a third are motivated to buy a job. Only 27% are doing a, a horizontal add-on. And again, similar types of numbers, 54% of the buyers are within 20 miles and 22% are within 100 miles. So that's... What I wanted to cover here today is just to give you this update and go through the report. I thought it was it was an interesting report because it's showing us what is really happening. And I think one of the biggest stories that it's telling is that this weirdness in the market as far as the pandemic, you know, we had the supply of businesses go way down. We had buyers leave the market who were like, whoa, I'm afraid of what's going on. The market then started to change in 2021 with buyers coming back on the scene in a lot of force, fighting over a lot of a small number of deals, causing pricing to kind of move up a little bit. But the market is correcting again. And so now we've got more sellers potentially entering the market now that they've got good financial statements, seeing that pricing is higher. And I, I think the feeling that we're getting from the brokers as far as the sentiment with respect to the recession and everything is, is transmitting to me anyway, the fact that they feel that this thing is becoming more balanced. And so 2022 is going to be more interesting with a recession in my experience, because I was running a brokerage office uh, back in, you know, I was in the brokerage business directly from 08 to the end of 2011, right in the middle of a recession. Um, what's going to happen is a couple of things. Um, poor economic outlooks give pe make people a little bit more gun shy 
Um, they're worried that if I buy, they buy a business that's going to perform more poorly than it has been. So that is part of the reason why your multipliers start to go down because people aren't as confident. However, we've seen a few layoffs in the tech space. If we are headed for a recession, it doesn't feel like recessions have felt before. And I've lived through several. And I remember recessions, particularly in the early 90s, where places like the shopping center were petitioned by their tenants to close an hour early so that they could all save a little bit on labor. Like every business you heard of was scaling back, cutting back, hiring freezes, et cetera. I don't know if we're feeling that quite yet. If we start to get into a position where a lot of middle managers or well-paid people start to lose their jobs, it can actually have a very interesting effect on the market for businesses because what ends up happening is some of those people, if they can't find another job, they start looking at business acquisition as a way, just like we saw here, as a way to buy a job. And so the number of buyers can actually grow when there's a lot of layoffs in the corporate world. So it's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on. If buying a business is something that you want to be seriously doing over the next little while, then I would uh, highly encourage you to head over to businessbuyeradvantage.com. It's where you can learn about how I work with buyers and how I help people analyze deals. And in particular, where you can sign up for my online program, Business Buyer Advantage. It's about 14 hours of content. It's only a few hundred dollars and it takes you through the entire process. Um, and then there's additional modules that I've added on. One of the modules that I added on was about buying a business in a recession. And so it can actually, it actually gives strategies in how you structure the deal to protect yourself from the downside possibilities that might arise if sales and earnings decline in the business that you're buying right after you do the deal. And so you wanna be prepared for that so that you're not left scrambling afterwards um, trying to amend the situation. You wanna have a plan going into it. If things go, go south, if sales fall, if earnings fall, I wanna know that I already have a plan in place before I do the deal to make sure that I protect myself. And with that, I'll say thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, et cetera. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com, use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.